There are two races remaining in the 2019 Samtech.edu factory stock showdown season. And the cowboy, Mark Powick, believes he's got a shot to win this race. More importantly, it would be a big boost for the Mopar fans who attend. And you have your real diehards out there, whether it be Mopar fans, Ford fans, you know, GM, Chevy fans. And if their brand's not competitive, they find somewhere else to go. And we don't need to have that happen with factory stock class because at least last year, it gave the Mopar fans a car to cheer for again. You haven't had that in pro stock for years. And, you know, to me, this is the pro stock of the 70s that, you know, rejuvenated, so to speak, but much faster, obviously. Mark Powick goes in depth about his car, his team, and his chances of winning the AAA Insurance Midwest Nationals. Also on the show, Chris Vang, crew chief at Kramer Racing, a showdown car, a pro stocker, and it all started when he decided to go to samtech.edu. Having Samtech on my resume and all that and telling them, yes, I, w- I worked on all these cars and I was actually able to work on uh, Judd's car, which had a Liberty with a clutch in it. So I got a little bit of experience with the pro stock style car at Sam. So it for sure helped when, when they were looking for somebody. It was real quick. They were like, okay, let's start. Chris Vang on Factory Stock Podcast, and they will be competing in both categories this weekend. Also on this edition, Brian Massengill from samtech.edu talks 2020 schedule. The schedule is out. The rules are next. And here are his concerns. What's going to be legal next year? Let's, let's let these drivers know well before SEMA, well before PRI, before we get to the Gators, what's going to be legal this year, what's not, are the parts available, Can does everyone have a fair shot at getting these parts? That's, that's really my big concern. Brian Massengill will go in depth on the season and what lies ahead for the Samtech Factory Stock Showdown. And I am your host, Joe Costello, as we go in depth with Mark Powick. Chris Vang and Brian Massengill as we get ready for Worldwide Technology Raceway at Gateway, the NHRA AAA Insurance Midwest Nationals, the penultimate race of the 2019 season. The big cars, the fast cars, the heavy cars, the real cars, the stars of the samtech.edu factory stock showdown. And it's all brought to you by samtech.edu. Start your education at full speed with the School of Automotive Machinists and Technology. Accelerate your career as a high-performance engine builder with classroom instruction and practical hands-on experience. In the lab, on the dyno, and at the track. In addition to block, head, and CNC programs, Sam now offers motorsport EFI tuning and an Associate of Applied Science degree. And Sam is a military-friendly school, approved to train veterans and other eligible persons under the GI Bill. Start your education at full speed. Go to samtech.edu today. And I am Joe Costello, and we do have a great show for you. Great guests, great show, lots of great Rate, review, subscribe to the podcast if you're listening for the very first time. We've got episodes from this entire season. You can go back and listen to all of those episodes and get up to speed with what's going on with Factory Stock Showdown as we go into the final two races. Now, the big news is that the 2020 schedule is out, and I think it is great. I think it is a Nearly a perfect schedule. I understand there's going to be somebody that doesn't like something about everything, right? But here is the schedule, and then we're going to dive into it with Mark Powick and Chris Vang, and of course, Brian Massengill going to bring us home and talk all about it. Of course, we do another podcast here called WFO Radio, NHRA Nitro. A lot of schedule talk since we're in the NHRA countdown, but here it is. Samtech.edu Factory Stock Showdown 2020 begins Gainesville Raceway, March 12th through 15th. Rightfully so. East Coast opener. Huge race. Gainesville. Factory Stock Showdown comes out. My home state of Florida. Second race, April 24th through 26th. Charlotte won the four wide nationals. We're going to speak with Brian about this, but I am hearing, and I'll say it, it's speculation. 
I haven't seen it as fact, but let's speculate a little bit. I think they're going four wide. I think that's the deal. They're going four wide. I'd be surprised if they didn't go four wide. Do you like it? Do you hate it? Doesn't matter. You might not like it, but you better learn to love it because it's the best thing going today. Woo! Four wide factory stock to me. That means you're a premier category. That's what it means. May 15th through 17th, Atlanta, the ATL. June 25th through 28th, Norwalk, the first four races. It is once again an eight-race season. Second half, Chicago, Chi-Town, July 9th through 12th. Indy, September 2nd through 7th, the big go. St. Louis, October 2nd through 4th. And the season concludes in 2020, Vegas, baby. Vegas, that's right where Pro Mods Championship concludes and so many others. Of course, they'll be able to have a big banquet out there and everybody get all, uh, you know, dolled up to go out and celebrate Factory Stock Prom, Vegas 2020. And there's your schedule. I will mention the schedule again throughout the show as we discuss with our guests. But here's the, the takeaway, ready? Basically one race a month, March, April, May, June, July, September, nothing in August, September, October, November. And there you go. I think it is a more balanced schedule. I think it takes the pressure off a lot of the teams out there for back-to-backs and to hustle around. You're going to have time. And so there you go. There's your 2020 schedule. And just like that, it's time to get into it. Joining us now, a driver that appeared resurgent out there at the Chevrolet Performance U.S. Nationals. We're talking about the cowboy, Mark Powick. Mark, welcome back to Factory Stock Podcast. How are you? Good, Joe. How are you? Great to be back on. I'm happy to have you on. You were on early in the season. It has been a season of uh, excitement, of rules changes, of parity. And after what we saw at the Chevrolet Performance U.S. Nationals, you at the top of the qualifying sheet and, uh, you know, going deep in the rounds, uh, it, it seems to me that maybe parity has been or at least as close to have been, having been achieved as is possible following the U.S. Nationals. Now with two races to go, the goal is to win a race. So what do you think about where you are? Well, we definitely have made great strides since earlier in the season, Joe. You know, we, we just pretty much got every ounce of power that we have to the racetrack at Indy. Um, we're still not the, the highest-powered cars out there. My, my crew chief and my crew guys have done a tremendous job to take the power that we had for get about every ounce of it to the racetrack. And it obviously showed in our performance, um, at least in qualifying, it seemed like on race day, that advantage was kind of gone. And then unfortunately the driver didn't do his job. So, um, I've been a little down on myself, but, uh, you know, the car is definitely from where we were earlier in the year, pretty much not qualifying unless we made a perfect run. Um, looks like we're on the road to recovery. And two races remaining. So, you know, the points standings and, uh, you know, the audience who has been following the podcast since the beginning has watched it take shape. Drew Skillman, his dad, Bill Skillman, Bo Butner, they've been the class of the field all year. And race after race getting hit with different rules changes. They have been very vocal that they haven't appreciated that. Uh, yet and still, they're leading the points. They got a shot to win the championship. For my money, I'm interested to see who can get in on a win. Before the season is over, the schedule is out for next year. We'll talk about that momentarily. But if you can pick up a Wally, I'm not calling the season a total victory, but it's definitely a small win in the greater battle. It sure is. And there's nothing more that I'd like than to grab another Wally to add to my collection, Joe. Though it would be a sportsman Wally, it still would be an honor for me. You know, we came out very strong last year. There was a lot of parity in the class, and things have kind of changed over last winter, unfortunately. And we've been fighting all year to try to get back um, to the performance that we had last year. Still at a disadvantage, I will say. But, you know, if you look at it, Leah Pritchett, my teammate, was world champion last year. She has not won a round of racing this year in NHRA competition. So that shows how much this class has changed in the last 12 months. Interesting. Well, we haven't quit, obviously, and by my performance – um, at Indy and hers running better also. And hopefully um, we're going to continue at that pace in St. Louis and, and see what we can do the last two races of the year. It'd be a great way to finish the season, as you mentioned, with the way we started the year out. Now, uh, as you have been following along, like everybody focuses on themselves, right? And the Dodge fans focusing on the Dodges and 
the Ford fans focusing on the Fords, and, and we've spoken a lot about, meaning on the show and certainly at the events, that the Ford fans, while winning, also were very annoyed by the rules changes. What was your perspective of, of that in that they don't like to spend money is what it is. You know, every rules change, they felt like, man, we got to go out, we got to test, we got to spend money. We're not going to quit, so we're not just going to bolt it on the car and go with it. We got to see what works best. And, of course, you coming out of Pro Stock know that that's the right way to do it. But at the same time, hearing them be annoyed while you feel like you're at an actual genuine disadvantage, was that was that a, a, a troublesome? Well, you know, I, I can understand them being annoyed. Um, unfortunately, I see this class getting to the point that Pro Stock went, where now everybody spent a ton of money, and that was not the intent when this flat class first came out. And I think if we don't get wraps around it, you're going to see the amount of competitors continue to fall off. We've already seen some of that this year, and it's it's very unfortunate. If you look at the amount of cards at Indy we had this year compared to last year, several teams elected not to come just for that reason. Um, my opinion, we had a lot of parity last year in the class. All three brands were running for the championship at Dallas. Any of the three could have won the championship. You know, Leah Pritchett actually just did a better job, I guess, or, you know, there were a couple – uh, mechanicals with the other teams and, and she ended up being on the right side of the equation and won the championship but all three chevy dodge and ford all were in the running at the, at the at dallas last year for the championship it has not been the case this year i've only qualified for one race i guess maybe two up until indy um leah has qualified for all of them but like i said there's not one around but from Ford's side, I can understand their frustration because every time a change gets made, they have to change their whole combination. You know, looking back, my opinion, um, I think when the new blowers were given to the Fords and Chevys, I think more research should have been, been done before that happened because it really did put the Dodges at a severe disadvantage. If we didn't make a perfect run in the right session, we had no hopes of even being in the show. And... Um, so now they're trying to come back and equal the equation, so to speak. And, you know, for the Ford racers and the Chevy racers, I, I could understand their frustration and the amount of money they had to spend because they had to keep changing gear ratios, converters, and everything else, I'm sure, to be able to, um, as the power is taken away, be able to get the right combination to still, you know, run competitive. So looking back, I think we should have approached the whole thing differently. But, you know, that's not my decision. And um, I guess now we have to move forward. They have gotten it to the point where at least it looks like all three brands are somewhat competitive again. And uh, exactly. Like, you know, hindsight being twenty twenty, that we could, we could do that about everything. We find ourselves here getting ready for St. Louis. Two races remaining, and this is what it is. I think we all benefit uh, from a category that, all three manufacturers have a chance to win. And that that's all it is. We are trying to get to the point where all three manufacturers have a chance to win. Um, I know that you can't answer this question, but I want to talk about this period, like this era, the time of the season that we're in, where the manufacturers have to go to NHRA and say, hey, for next year, we'd like to do something, dot, 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 dot. And, and that's t- top secret probably within NHRA. But, um, you know, as a, as a Chrysler team, I would imagine they're probably going to go to the NHRA and ask for something. It seems to make sense. I would sure hope they would. I really don't know what their plan is. I haven't been involved in a lot of those conversations. I wish I was. Um, But after what happened last winter, you know, with the changes the two manufacturers had and no changes for the Dodges, um, I would sure hope that there'd be a difference in this year's changes where at least we can get something, whether it be a different blower or whatever, to make us more competitive. Um, but like I said, I'm not privy to that information. All I can do is hope. And, you know, I want to see more Dodges out there. It's a great brand. You know, uh, now that we have our car uh, running better, it's a great product. And, and we need, as you said, Joe, we need to have all three manufacturers there. You know, race on Sunday, sell on Monday. I mean, the, the fans can relate to the cars. A lot of fans come up to me and tell me how much they love the class because they can relate to them again. Absolutely. So, you know, we don't want to see, as an example, Dodge go away. You know, that that would hurt again, just like what happened in Pro Stock, where you basically have one brand dominating the, the class. 
Well, exactly. And that uh, example and analogy hits its home with so many fans, you know, that are like, oh, well, Pro Stock is just Camaros. And uh, that maybe more than any other reason is, uh, you know, the reason Pro Stock has struggled a little bit, just because if you're a Ford guy, right, why would you watch? Just simple as that. Like, you might think it's very excellent racing, but if you really care about Fords, why do you watch? There aren't any, right? There's a lot of racing that doesn't have a Ford in it, and I'm not watching that either. You're 100% correct, and you have your real diehards out there, whether it be Mopar fans, Ford fans, you know, GM, Chevy fans. And if their brand's not competitive, they find somewhere else to go. And we don't need to have that happen with the factory stock class because at least last year, it gave the Mopar fans a car to cheer for again. You haven't had that in pro stock for years. And, you know, to me, this is the pro stock of the 70s that, you know, rejuvenated, so to speak, but much faster, obviously. Yeah, and cool, super cool, sounding cool, awesome. Okay, a quick thought on the U.S. Nationals in that we attempted the 32-car field. We got 29. I still thought it was amazing, right? I know the schedule and my nature and some rain and live TV ended up hampering it a little bit. Yet and still... To have a 32-car field almost uh, completed and have so many people from across the country that would have never even sniffed the 16-car field get a chance to feel the burn, right? The opportunity to compete round one at Indy, I thought that was a was a success. Very much so. I just wish we could have filled the field. Last year, the field would have been filled, but you're right. Having 29 cars was still great. You know, there were a couple people i think that broke the week before possibly at, at the nmca race at norwalk and weren't able to attend indy i'm not sure but um just to have the opportunity to run a 32 car field indy the last 32 car field and, and i kind of even though this is a sportsman class i look at it as kind of an up-and-coming class you know where i know it's not professional level but i kind of feel to a point it could be but um a last 32 car professional field that i can remember at indy and correct me if i'm wrong but i believe was top fuel many years ago i don't even know i'm i'm leaning on your experience yeah i don't think you were born yet (laughs) i don't think so either or maybe i was but that's exactly the point it showed like popularity like we could even try something like this i agree 100 percent. i think it was awesome for the class certainly and uh uh, it turned out to be a, a good event, a strong event. We just got to build upon it. And your uh, analogy to Pro Stock, you know, that is a problem, but also something great about it. You know, we've got yourself, we've got Leah, you've got Bo, you've got Drew, and they make no bones about it. They're treating this the only way they know how, which is like Pro Stock. Like they know what they learned, and they can't unlearn what they learned, how to compete how to handle it, how to go over a car nose to tail and make everything as perfect as possible. And the expectation that they should not do that, given whatever they're racing, I I think is not a fair thing. I think once you know how to do something the right way, you're going to do it that way always. And so that, I think, is some of the push-pull in the class, right? You've got some sportsman racers that are diving into this to elevate themselves, and you've got some pro racers that are diving into this because they think it's cool and they want to be a part of it. And so we're going to naturally have a little a little problem there. I agree. <laughs> Just hope I'm on the right side of that deal, you know? Well, you got your family. You're doing it the opposite way. You got your family involved. Kyle's involved. Cassandra's involved. You know, of course, Kevin Helms. But uh, it's very interesting to see, like, how you have made this a very family operation. I have, and my family's what got me back there between them and Don Schumacher, you know, my wife, not so much a fan. She'd rather stay home, even though she does come to a few races, but my son and my daughter, Kyle and Cassandra, they're really into the race, the whole racing thing. And um, without them and their support, I probably wouldn't be out there again, even though I love the class. I think it's a great class. We have a really good team that uh, Schumacher racing has put together. And um, it's cool to be back after a 13 year hiatus. You know, I just, uh, can't believe I'm doing it, to be honest with you. Well, I, I got to speak with you right after Indy, and you, you know came up a little bit short, whole shot. And to see you dealing with the, the negative moment, which is as much a part of competition, as you know, as winning the positive stuff, you look like a guy that was determined and is going to uh, continue on. 
I hope so. I My intentions are hopefully to continue on. We'll see where our program goes at the end of the year and what transpires. I'd like to come back next year, um, especially, obviously, if our cars stay competitive. If our cars weren't competitive, I think my decision probably would be pretty easy. But, you know, I, I came out here to have fun, and I want to win races. I mean, I've always set goals to win races, and I'm, I'm, I was disappointed in myself for getting beat by a whole shot at Indy, but, you know, I didn't have that bad of a light. Um, Archie had a much better light and he did his job that day and I didn't. So it happens. That's all part of drag racing. It's not the first time and it won't be the last, you know, somebody's going to get beat by a whole shot. So, um, but you got to, in the old days, I used to carry it for a long time. You know, I'm a little older. I'm not going to say I'm any wiser these days, but I'm a little bit older and there's a lot of more important things in life and you just got to let it go and go on to the next race and do the best you can. As long as you feel you do the best you can, there's going to be another day. This weekend, the AAA Insurance Midwest Nationals out there, Worldwide Technology Raceway, uh, otherwise known as Gateway to a lot of people out there. So two races remaining, but I'm, I want to talk about the 2020 schedule. I, I looked at this schedule, and I think, you know, a lot of schedules have come out in the last two weeks, right? And so it's almost schedule overload, uh, thinking about the Mellow Yellow schedule, the Pro Stock Bike schedule, Pro Mod schedule, Pro Stock schedule. Like, everything is different, and they're all uh, all over the place. But uh, Pro... pro uh, uh, factory stock showdown schedule i like it i like it basically one race a month is what it looks like right start now to gainesville that's your race for march then uh ngk uh four wides in charlotte there's your race uh two and from what i understand and i haven't heard this confirmed by nhra but I, from what i understand you guys are going to be going four wide uh then atlanta in may then norwalk in june then chicago in july then Indy in September, then St. Louis in October, and then, okay, Dodge Nationals in Vegas. Factory Stock heads west to Vegas to conclude the season October, November. To me, that seems like a pretty uh, racer-friendly schedule. What say you? I do like it. I especially like going to Vegas. They were talking about us going to Vegas last year. Um, that never gelled. You know, the only, the only race that I kind of wish – was still on our schedule was Bristol because Bristol is a fan oriented factory stock kind of place with the NASCAR track being right next door. Fans relate to our type of car, but do I like the schedule? I like it much better than last year. Um, I do like going to Vegas for sure to get us something farther West where, you know, some of the West coast people get an opportunity to see this class run. So I think NHRA's done a good job with number one, spreading the races out a little more. And I know that's probably why Bristol's not still on the calendar because we had a, the first year last year when I ran, you know, Bristol and Norwalk were back to back. And so, like, it's um, tough. So, you know, the way they spread it out, the different venues we're going to, to educate the fans in the different markets, I think is great. Um, I think it's going to be great for the manufacturers and um, hopefully the class continues to prosper and, and, you know, has good tight, close racing with anybody be able to win on Sunday. There you have it. Mark, good luck this weekend. Thank you for coming on Factory Stock Podcast and giving us a little insight into your team. You've certainly, uh, you know, it looks like you've turned the corner. The performance out there at Indy was strong. You got a very tough challenge. The Cobra Jets are still wicked fast. The Chevrolets are wicked fast. But now it looks like you got a horse that'll, uh, you know, that'll, that you can ride a little bit and, uh, and get after it on the starting line. Good luck. I'll see you this weekend. Thank you so much for coming on Factory Stock Podcast, giving us insight into your team. Joe, thank you for having me on. It's always a pleasure. And I look forward to seeing you this weekend. I guess I need to tighten that saddle up a little bit more now. There you go. Ride him, cowboy. <laughs> Have a good day, buddy. There he goes, Mark Powick, the cowboy, going out there to try to get a win. And the way that car was running in Indy, I think he might have an opportunity. And I also like the fact that he is excited about the 2020 Factory Stock Showdown schedule. When I checked out the schedule, I thought this is going to be perfect for Factory Stock podcasts, right? Spacing them out very, very nicely. And, of course, we appreciate the folks at samtech.edu for putting us on. And the whole concept of Samtech Factory Stock Showdown being a place where not only you can uh, you know, be greatly entertained by the cars, but you can dream of being involved and then be involved is uh, and make it a reality 
is so true as well. One of the reasons for the podcast, for all you people out there who think, man, I'd love to be an engine builder. I'd like to work on a car. I'd like to be a machinist. I'd like a career that can't be sent away from me. Well, our next guest is uh, the living embodiment of that. Joining us now, he is the co-crew chief for the Factory Stock Showdown car of Dave Kramer, but he also does the clutch and transmission on Derek Kramer's Pro Stock car, which is in the Mellow Yellow Series Countdown. He's also got his own car that he races from time to time and has had great success. Chris Vang joins us now. Chris, welcome to Factory Stock Podcast. How are you? Good. How about you? Thank you for having me. I'm thrilled to have you on because I know that uh, you have got, you know, first of all, your hands on a pro stock car. You're working on the factory stock car, but you're also a racer yourself. So, like, what do you like doing the most? Let's start that. I love the pro stock stuff. I mean, for me, it's always been a battle between my own racing and the pro stock stuff. I actually just got home from Great Bend, Kansas last night uh racing my own car and i mean i love both so it's always a battle for me between the two and you have had success if memory serves me uh correctly it was a couple of years back at the dodge mile high nationals i think you went all the way got a wally or certainly were in the late rounds of racing refresh my memory um but you are you're pretty successful whenever you go out you have what a super comp car lay it on me uh i actually have a super street chevelle And I won, I actually won the 2017 spring nationals in my super street, uh, Chevelle. And then in 2017 was able to go all the way and win the division five championship in super street. This year I was, I was actually able to also go back to the final round and run it up in super comp in my mom and sister's super comp dragster. So Houston's always been special for me, especially from going to Sam there with all my friends. Wow. Okay. And that ties it all together. All right. So I have spoken with you in the parade of champions following an event. It was just in Houston, not uh, Colorado, where is home for you. But that is tremendous that you're able to go and collect the division championship, win a national event. So not only are you uh, you know, excellent in terms of turning wrenches and all, but you win and you mention the fact that you graduated from Samtech, which is another reason we've had you on, obviously. It sounds like you're family has been involved in racing prior to going to school, you might have thought, man, I don't need to do that. I'm already involved in racing. Why did you decide to go to Samtech? So I decided to go to Samtech because my family had been racing and has been racing since before I was born, but I wasn't able to get a lot of engine building experience with that. I mean, it was all just the car stuff. And I had been working at Madcap racing engines here in Denver. It was my first job when I was 16 and Mario, he got me involved with Sam tech because he, he had gone there also. And that's when I really wanted, like I realized how much I did not know about actually building engines. And that's where I got the interest to go to Sam. Wow. That see that is exactly the message that I try to convey, you know, whenever we talk about Sam Tech on, you know, my other podcast WFO Radio or on the mic at an NHRA national event. Uh, you know, there's a lot that you don't know, but you don't know what it is. And so that's why you got to yeah. go to Samtech. So you'd been working at an engine shop, you're from a family that had been racing since before you were born. Uh, you went to Samtech, and now you're making calls on pro stockers and factory stock showdown cars, certainly, you know, working on transmission and the clutch. Uh, tell me about your time at Samtech. Like, when you first showed up there, what was it like? So, when I first showed up, I, I, I loved it. It was all about racing. Finally, a school that I could enjoy and loved going to every day because I was learning stuff that I actually wanted to learn about. And I mean, I, I got connected real quick since, since I have a background in racing before. So I was able to connect with a lot of the previous racers also. And I, I really enjoyed it too, because even at the start, I was able to help a lot of my classmates through the 
the basics that I already, I already knew. And I enjoyed helping, helping them through that beginning part also. So you were slightly advanced of, of like, you know, the kid who doesn't have a racing family, right? And he wants to go to Samtech because it's a career choice. And, and uh, here you are. You were actually able to mentor some of the other students while at the same time increasing your knowledge. Did you find it to be challenging? Like when you went in it, uh, you know, of course, you were a little ahead of the curve. But then all of a sudden we're talking about, uh, you know, detailed concepts when it comes to machining racing engines as opposed to, you know, regular stuff. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it was challenging. Uh, I, I took both classes at the same time, the block class and the cylinder head class. So I was, I was double duty all the time doing school, the schoolwork and working in the, in the shop and all that. So it was challenging. It was a lot, but I was able to take it all in for sure. And so, uh, you know, the rest, as they say, is history. You were successful, and now you work full-time within the National Hot Rod Association, which is really, uh, you know, one of the goals. But not everybody does that. There are people that I'm sure you went to school with. They went into the regular world. We talk about some of the companies out there that need CNC machinists, and uh, that's a very uh, common thing these days. Not everybody wants to be involved in racing. Uh, I don't imagine all of the people you graduated with are involved in racing, but some of them probably are. Oh yeah, for sure. And I, I really like the, the EFI tuning class that they have now that that's a real, real big thing now with how much racing is moving towards EFI. And you, you, uh, you know, EFI pro stocker, EF, EFI factory stock showdown car. A lot of people still lament the days of, uh, you know, switching away from the carburetor for pro stock. But what you just said to me, I think justifies it, right? We want young people who are coming out of school with a new skill to want to be involved with uh, racing electronic fuel injection cars. Oh, yeah, we do. And, I mean, I was able to learn a little bit with EFI. The, the class had not been set up when I was there, but I'd love to go back and learn even more about it. Even though you're already out there racing, which that uh, speaks volumes. What about the, uh, and you know, I want to talk Factory Stock Showdown with you because Dave's got his car out there. Derek is in the countdown. You're right in the middle of it. We're going to lean on you uh, for information on some of those things. But being in a school of people who are all doing the same thing as you and it's racing, right? Like, um, what was that like? Was it, you know, I talk about the campus. I've been there. I've seen students, but I was there for a day, right? Like, what's it like when you're living that lifestyle, um, when everybody is kind of like-minded, seeking information and, uh, you know, working on race cars, doing machine shop stuff? Like, what what's that like? It, it was really enjoyable because uh, there's a lot of, a lot of school projects and working on the different cars together. It, it kind of helped me learn to work with other people too. Cause I had only raced with my family. So it helped me working on, on the school cars with people I had never met before. And then you become really good friends with everyone at the school. So everyone's got their own project engine. So you're getting to learn about all different kinds of stuff because everyone, everyone has a different interest. Interesting. So, you know, got the import guys with their turbo stuff and you got the muscle car guys, they're, you know, hammy stuff. And you just don't know what, uh, what you're going to be working on because you need to help out your buddy who's working on his project. That makes perfect sense. Exactly. Yep. All right. Well, I think it is great that you, and so how did you end up uh, working with the Kramers? Like, um, was that a Samtech initiative or the fact that you graduated, got you in, or they were uh, longtime family friends because you're from the same region? Well, uh, a lot, a lot of it was from being from Denver right now. They're the only Colorado team and I had moved back here after school and like having Samtech on my resume and all that and telling them, Yes, I, I worked on all these cars, and I was actually able to work on uh, Judd's car, which had a Liberty with a clutch in it. So I got a little bit of experience with the pro stock style car at Sam. So it for sure helped when when they were looking for somebody. 
it was real quick. They were like, okay, let's start. Wow. And so now uh, lay it out there. Like, what are your responsibilities with Kramer Racing? Here you are, Samtech graduate, family bracket racer, successful in the NHRA, you know, Super Street, which is a category I aspire to run one of these days. And uh, very tough category, by the way, everybody. It should be at uh, more national events than it is, but that's just me politicking. Um, what do you do on a you know daily, weekly basis with Kramer Racing? So... With Kramer Racing, we actually don't have anyone full-time at the shop since we we get both our Copo and the Pro Stock engine from KB Racing. So I, I take over everything at the shop. I work on the Pro Stock car, the, the Showdown car, uh, the Copo Stocker, Anything we need done at the shop, I'm normally there. The weeks between racing, any of that, I I then drive the truck to the track. I set up, and like normal, I do the clutch transmission on the pro stock car, and we do all kinds of transmission and converter stuff on the Copo normally that I take care of also. So you have a full-time job uh, for you managing the various race cars uh, at the, the highest levels of NHRA drag racing. If I had told you you were going to be doing that, what you do on a regular basis prior to going to the school, would you have uh, thought that that was possible? Uh, I, I, it, this is my dream. So like, I, I never expected that I actually would accomplish my dream, even though I always, I made every step I could to accomplish it and it paid off and I, I, I'm loving it every day. Wow. That is, I love hearing that you are so happy and stoked about it. Let's narrow the conversation now and talk about the factory stock showdown stuff. You know, Derek is in the middle of the NHRA countdown and pro stock. We've had one race under, uh, under everybody's belt. And so it can still go in any direction, depending on who goes out there and wins St. Louis. Uh, but factory stock showdown is the focus of this particular podcast. And Dave just got his car, right? And so I have noticed over the first couple of races that, uh, Dave, Derek's dad has been out there racing that this guy is a totally different person when he's got something to drive, like the smile on his face, the, the, the joy of the moment, like he loves driving this car. That's gotta be a great feeling to be able to do it. But at the same time, the KB powered cars appear to be, uh, accelerating rapidly, right? Amongst the engine builders and the cars out there, it looks like KB Racing is figuring out this supercharged stock eliminator-style platform that we're using in Factory Stock Showdown. Give us a little insight into the program. So, so yeah, I mean, we started, I picked the car up in March, I believe, this year from Michigan, took it to KB, and... We missed Gainesville, we missed Charlotte, and our first race was actually Topeka. And KB has built engines, I think, for about two years now. So they're still pretty new into the factory stock showdown engines. And they are doing very well for the little amount of time that they've been into it. And so, I mean, we're still... We're learning a lot about the car. We just tested in Reading at the national event in Complimentator. We're learning every single time we take that car out because there's so many things we have not touched on the car yet because with the pro stock being our priority, really, we don't get a whole lot of time to work on the showdown car. So we've tested the showdown car now at, three national events in complimentator and it, it works pretty well that we get to run both cars there and that's our only testing we've actually been able to do with our showdown car now people have said that uh you know the 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 connection right between factory stock showdown and pro stock um might be limited in that 
you know, one is an automatic transmission car with a supercharger in a factory skin, right? Factory weight, 3,500 pounds. The other is like a full race car. Um, but at the same time, people love the passion of both categories, right? It like elicits something, factory hot rods kind of deal. So when you're out there working on the factory stock showdown car, what kind of response are you getting from race fans and people that, uh, you know, know that you are working on both? People, people love, we, we get more pictures of the showdown car a lot of times than the pro stock car, just because it looks like a real car. It's a, it's a real Camaro. And people are always asking like, is that real? Like, is that a real Camaro? It's like, yeah, yeah. It's from the factory. And, and people love that. Wow. Tremendous uh, stuff. Now, what about the, uh, state of competition out there. You guys, you know, are not late to the game, but a little late to the game. Uh, this year, we've seen parity rules, left and right. We know at the start of the season, the Chevrolets and the Fords got a little bit of a uh, rules change that they took the max advantage of, and then NHRA had to, like, pull them back with blower pulley and all that. We've been following that, trust me, <laughs> Chris, we've been following that on Factory Stock Podcast the whole year. It seemed at the Chevrolet Performance U.S. Nationals, it has been the best that it has been so far and i don't know that i would uh, expect any additional rules changes this year who knows but uh, given that the guys at the top of the points are both fords and there's two races left and there's championship on the line um that would surprise me but you never know what do you think about being in the middle of it uh the state of play right now in terms of parity i i think it's very equal right now i mean you don't know who or what type of car is going to be number one qualifier at each race. You, you don't know which car or driver is going to even be able to take it all away and win on Sunday. Exciting. All right. So this weekend, what about you guys? You've had some testing. You can run in comp eliminator, which is a great advantage. We need to see more opportunities, uh, you know, with these cars out on track. So I think it's great that ProMod and Factory Stock can both run in comp eliminator. Great, great idea by NHRA. Do you feel that you've got uh, you've got something for your driver out there? And this weekend, you can go out there and mix it up. Oh yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, J- Jason is always working on new stuff for the engines. We're, we're constantly trying a couple different things, trying to get the car closer. And every time we go out the car, the car is getting better and better every time. And, and we've been able to qualify pretty, pretty well at each race. So, yeah, we've got a car for, for Dave. If he really, if he's ready to go on Sunday, there you go. Now, Jason, you mentioned Jason Line. Uh, we asked him a couple of weeks ago, you know, his thoughts on this category, and he laughed. He laughed it off like, um, I'm going to paraphrase what he said, like, yeah, anybody who's ready to get into this class, don't expect that this is an entry-level class, that this is not an entry-level class, that this is a lot of work, and it's very difficult and very com- competitive. He, he basically said that, uh, you know, while laughing, uh, a sinister laugh about how uh, complex it is. What is it like working up close with Jason Line, both on the pro stock side and the factory stock side? There, there's a lot to learn. I mean, I, I love working with Jason because he's always constantly teaching me. And if I ask a question, he'll answer it. And obviously with KB racing, he, he's one of the best, if not the best engine tuners in the country. And I mean, to be able to work side by side with, with that person is amazing. Wow. Tremendous. And, uh, I I think it's awesome to see you out there to be able to live your dream. Uh, and it all started, you know, with your family, bracket racing, racing at uh, NHRA divisional events, of course, Super Street Car, et cetera. But going to Samtech kind of knocked it down. So what would you say to anybody out there who's considering, like, hey, man, this is something I might do, but I'm unsure? Uh, I mean, Samtech is a very, like, you, you can learn almost anything you need at Samtech if you want to be in a racing team, uh, work on a racing, you know, a race car, 
learn more about your own car, work in an engine shop. Like you can learn anything you need about any performance engine or car at Sam. So, I mean, it's a very, very open school on what you want to do. And there you have it. Chris, thank you for coming on Factory Stock Podcast and giving us insight into your career, uh, most importantly, but also your thoughts on the class and uh, what's going on with Kramer Racing, both on the pro stock side and on the factory stock side. To be in uh, you know, a championship fight with one car, be out there sorting out, shaking down a you know, relatively new ride on the other car, Like uh, I, I can feel it. I can sense it that this is uh, what you've been angling for, and I wish you great success in whatever you decide to do in the future. But uh, savor this time now because this is pretty cool. Yep, yep, I'm loving it, and I'm going to keep loving it. There you go. Chris, thank you for coming on Factory Stock Podcast. Thank you. Thanks, Chris. Chris Vang with us here on Factory Stock Podcast. How about that? Absolutely living his dream. And that's what we hope to do, and that's what we all set our goal for. And a lot of people think that that is no longer possible. And, uh, you know, Chris, perfect example of a young person who set a target and did what he needed to do to do it, and uh, you know, applied and got it, and is now out there, hands on a pro stock car, hands on a factory stock showdown car. Has got Jason line that he can ask all kinds of questions and learn. Uh, I think that is great, and it all came from his uh, being smart enough to go to samtech.edu and increase his knowledge, which is great stuff. Hopefully, they go out there and have success this weekend. And speaking of samtech.edu from the aforementioned is Brian Massengill. Brian, it must be great for you. And this is why one of the reasons I love, uh, you know, connecting with you on each one of these factory stock podcasts is that, uh, you know, you are helping that person live their life's dream. Like you and your family are connected to that forever. Like that's better than low ET or top speed of any race. Uh, that is that. No, it really is. Um, we, we take pride in, in, all of our graduates and their successes, you know, it's, it's, um, it's a long list of, okay, who's on that team. What's going on in cup. What's going on in IndyCar. What's going on. What did CP Corella do? What, wh- where are these products? Where are our guys? What are they doing this weekend? It's, it's a long list and it's pretty hard. We just, um, we just were at the race engine challenge in, in Charlotte and we had a little reunion with 30 some odd graduates. It was kind of a last minute deal. So we only had 30 out there and, and I think we had guys that had graduated in the '80s that came to dinner to, you know, to catch up with my dad and mom and and see and hear kind of what uh, what's going on and connect with some of our other graduates in the Charlotte area. And so, you know, you've got guys at Roush and at Hendrick and in every little shop and in every big shop in that area. Um, and it's always great to to hear what they're doing and how successful they are in their day to day jobs. Something that Chris just told us, and it was kind of interesting because, you know, this is Factory Stock Podcast, and so we want to talk about the cars, but in the end, it's always the people that are most interesting to most people, that here he is working in an engine shop and gets the recommendation to go to Sam Tech, and then as soon as he arrives, he realizes that there's countless things that he had no clue that he didn't know. That's that's really one of the things, you know. Um there's things you know you don't know. There's things that you think you don't know, and sometimes there's things you don't even know you don't know. Um, and you know, with all the experience that our instructors have and, and everything, the real world application. And my dad's on the phone daily with our graduates, uh, hearing the the troubles or what they're doing. Not necessarily troubles, but things that they're researching and how their experience is out in the field and. And everything that we get back in and, and that he's, you know, um, all this knowledge he's gathering from all of these hundreds of thousands or not hundreds of thousands, but hundreds or thousands of graduates that he, he's uh, that are still part of our system uh, after they graduate. You know, there's there's a lot to that he still learns on a day to day basis just from people trying crazy things in NASCAR or trying things in the NHRA or trying things. Um, wherever it may be, but, um, but there's always learning and there's always something, you know, always fighting for that extra horsepower. And, and, um, it's, it's really a great, uh, group of our graduates that, um, this, this interconnectivity, this network of them, um, helping each other out. 
great to hear a guy like Chris, uh, you know, recount his story. Of course, I, you know, we speak with you on the podcast each week, and uh, it has been a great season. And I, I certainly love what we have done, but it's uh, a little sad right now, right? Like we got two races to go: the AAA Insurance uh, Midwest Nationals this week, St. Louis. Then uh, that's it. We're headed to Dallas, and we're done. And just like that, a season is over. To this point, it's Drew Skillman. And to a slight, you know, lesser percentage, potentially Bo Butner, it would require like a bad luck or a collapse for Drew, for Bo to go out there and win the championship. What what we've heard is that Bo and uh, and, and those guys are going to give it all that they've got, and they've been testing and they've been working, and they know if they go out and win the next two races that they've got a shot. Um, but the season is culminating, you know, pretty much between those two. It is, um, and I, you know, I I think that Bo. Obviously, he has his sights on on winning championship in in all three in three categories right now, and um, and that'd be one hell of a feat, that's for sure. But um, but I think that you know I, I don't think that them winning a race is out of the question by any stretch of the imagination. They've had a real good hot rod. Uh, they've got the crew to do it. They've got the engine to do it, and they've got a driver to do it. So um, you know, like you said, the things that they of, of the things that they can can control. I, I really do. I wouldn't be shocked to see them in victory lane uh, with two races left. I think that we might have um, maybe even two first-time winners um, coming up. You know, I know you talked to Mark earlier, and and um, and I think that he, uh, you know, he he's got a quick hot rod, and and if he does, then so does Leah, and so that's two uh, two more good drivers, and of course. You, know, you can never count out uh, anybody over at that Barton camp. They've they've been really getting everything together. Um, you know, Lieberscher's been been right there. Just a couple of bad luck here and there, and and so there's there's a lot of races left for somebody to put their name in the uh, in the record books, as it were, for uh, this season. Get their first win, and then move on to 2020. Uh, kind of carry some of that late season momentum. Well, exactly. And uh, let's talk about the 2020 schedule momentarily. But, you know, we see it. I know you see it in other forms of racing. Uh, like, for instance, you know, if you're not in, and I always go to Formula One as an example because it is the most extreme form of racing on the planet. Maybe not necessarily the cars or the technology. I guess that's debatable, right? You get to talk to some people who don't like Formula One. They want to, they wanna, uh, you know, diminish it. But one thing that can't be diminished is the money. Right. Like you can't argue that it's the most expensive form of racing that is out there. And if you're not in the championship, what do you do? You immediately go to work on next year, like whatever it is. So you got to test. You got to get ahead of everybody that's still in the championship for next year. And I would imagine that there are people doing that right now, already thinking about 2020 and getting ahead of Gainesville and Q1 at Gainesville. How are they going to approach it? What are they going to bring to the table? What are they going to have? That's got to be running through the minds of some of the teams that are not in the points now. No, that's absolutely it. You know, I'm I'm. I'm trying to get uh, the rules makers and you know in in my capacity as sponsor of this class and um, very fortunate to be able to work with the NHRA and them allowing me to kind of have I don't want to say input but um, but you know giving the racers vo- using the racers words as and and being their voice uh, to the NHRA and to the manufacturers in some cases of trying to get everything settled well before. Um, we get done with, you know, maybe be able to announce something of, hey, this is what we'd like to have for uh, 2020 by the end of, of this season, and, and that's fast approaching. So um, I'm working with the NHRA. I'm uh, working with the manufacturers um, and their representatives as best as I can to to try and figure out, okay, what what's going to be legal next year? Let's, let's let these drivers know well before SEMA, well before PRI, before we get to the Gators, What's going to be legal this year? What's not? Are the parts available? Can does everyone have a fair shot at getting these parts? That's that's really my big concern. Is what's we we can't wait and say okay, well it's January first. Here's your rules package. Right. So, um, so we're I, I you know the NHRA is well aware of that, as are the manufacturers, and um, I, I'm hoping that we can get some people to sit down and, and figure out uh, what's going to be legal next year and what's not. Um, what what changes if there are any that are coming, um, and um, yeah, just get the racers all on the same page. That I'm must excited be. about 
racing next year. That must be fun for you, herding the cats. Uh, it can be. It can be. That's for sure. <laughs> oh, and I know the racers are out there listening, going, "Yeah, right." The whole, the whole, uh, <laughs> the whole exercise, right? Very complex. You've got one of the most uh, exciting new classes of racing. You've got all these different, uh, you know, alpha dogs out there who want to compete. You got the three manufacturers. You got to keep happy. You got the NHRA involved. Uh, it's got to be a great challenge, and that's why Factory Stock Podcast exists so that we can track yep. it. All right, let's talk twenty twenty schedule. Uh, I spoke with Mark Powick, and, uh, you know, everybody that I have spoken with that has seen the schedule, generally positive. Of course, there's always a negative of everything, right? We can have the best thing about it and the worst thing about it, no matter what. But my uh, general rapid-fire quick take was one race a month, good. Uh, you know, you don't if you, if you if you damage your stuff, you're not necessarily going to— miss the next race no matter what, right? When we have back-to-backs right. or even other every other week, for the most part, you're giving two weeks between each race, which has got to right. be welcome. So let me just read the schedule once again for everybody. Beginning at the Amelie Motor Oil NHRA Gator Nationals in March, then the next race is in April, uh, more than a month later, at ZMAX Dragway, the NGK 4-Wide Nationals. And let's stop right there. I have speculated that this will be a four-wide race. What do you know about that? Um, I am also under the impression that it is going to be run as a four-wide. Um, I That's something else that we've been asking for. And when we sat down and were looking at the schedule, we had talked about doing Vegas early. But going from Gainesville all the way out to Vegas, you know, for a lot of these racers, that's a long time away from home. I know that there are some racers that are West Coast based and everything's a long way from home for them. But um, but so we had actually talked about swapping the the Vegas race and the Charlotte race, but um, or putting Charlotte at the end of the year rather. And we said, no, we, we want to go to Charlotte early enough to be able to run it as a four wide, not just introduce because the drivers are so familiar with that track. They like that track so much and the comfort, just being comfortable at that track would lend itself to running four wide a little bit um, easier than going to an all new track, having everybody go all the way out to Vegas and trying to run four wide at Vegas. Um, If I'd be shocked, I I think I'm allowed to say this. I'd be shocked if we weren't running four wide um, at Charlotte. Rightfully so. And uh, I know, listen, there are some subjects that I've got, I've strong pro and con, right? And the con side of the four wide. I hear you. I get you. Got it. But we got to see four wide wheel stands. We got to see a, a, a Challenger, a Cobra Jet, a Copo, and something else. Uh, bat- battle it out. Four wide wheel stands going down the racetrack. Four times seven second runs. Will be spectacular. It's something we got to see. Sorry. We got to see it. Absolutely agree. And, and it is, you know, I, I know that. It's going to be a little bit hectic, and there's going to be some growing pains, and but it is something that the fans have wanted. We are at the track, um, and uh, we can get through a lot quicker. But uh, but it, it'll be fun at the very least. It'll it'll be cool. It'll um, it it'll add to our history as a class, um, which you know we're we're building a lot of of history so so quickly in this class, and and. Um, the four wides is the next logical step um, to kind of add to the mystique and, and the interest of this class and, and get more eyes on it for sure. Simple as that. That's April 24th through 26th. Then the next race is the Southern Nationals, May 15th to 17th. So slightly under a month, followed by Norwalk, the Summit Racing Equipment NHRA Nationals, June 25th through 28th. And so then a little over a month between races. And just like that, Norwalk, fourth race in, that's the halfway point of the season. Then turning the corner, uh, Route 66 Nationals, July 9th through 12th. So that's like the tightest turnaround of the year or one of the tightest turnarounds. couple weeks uh, from Norwalk to Chicago, but it's the same part of the country. So that is not unmanageable. Uh, and then right. on to Indy. A month later, the U.S. Nationals, September 2nd through 7th, followed by the Midwest Nationals in St. Louis. This race we're about to go to now, October 2nd through 4th. So we can see that it's happening a little bit later on in the year. A little bit of a schedule change right there. And then the Dodge Nationals. This is the big change. You guys will be concluding your season along with Pro Modified. 
at the uh, penultimate race of the season and going the furthest west that Factory Stock Showdown has got out there to Sin City, City of Lights, City of Magic. Yeah, it's it, that's a race that everyone's been asking for. Uh, all the drivers want to be out there. And, and not to take anything away from Dallas or, or St. Louis, where we've kind of ended our seasons in the past, but, um, you know, Vegas is Vegas. You know, it, it's a magical place. It's uh, it's always a exciting weekend and lending itself right into uh, leading right into SEMA. You know, I, I think that there's a lot of manufacturers. Um, it doesn't not just the auto manufacturers, but parts manufacturers who would put these cars on display in their booths. And this really gives um, gives our drivers and uh, owners of these cars an opportunity to do that, uh, especially. You know, if if there's some other races, obviously there's the divisional the week after and all that while SEMA's going on. But um, so there's there's some uh, good racing to be had out there in Vegas, and and we're excited to finally have that on the on the schedule. You know, uh, you talk about the new races we're going to Atlanta, Chicago, and St. Louis. Um, Chicago, uh, I I really appreciate the NHRA letting us join in. I know it's kind of hectic with Jegs and everything going on all the all-star races in Chicago, but, uh, but it, it kind of adds in. There's a lot of people that come from all over the country and, um, as a sportsman class, you know, to be, to be there with all of these great sportsman drivers from every division. Um, I think that's just a natural fit to be there. I've been asking for it for a while and, uh, and, and HRA finally caved and, uh, Atlanta is going to be an exciting race. Uh, you know, we, we've, uh, been looking at that track for a while and they they keep selling out and they pack them in there it's a great facility uh and and i'm really excited to try to get in that area very exciting now looking forward to it when i saw the 2020 schedule you know that we've had schedule like schedule palooza like it's been schedule after schedule pro mod pro stock motorcycle pro stock the mellow yellow series this is the one that i thought was uh you know the nearest to perfect I think so. No, we, and, and again, it just it took some time, and and um, you know the goal was to spread these races out as much as possible. Obviously, you know, with the Western Swing, you kind of lose a month there. Um, I didn't want to have to push anybody and say, okay, we're we're going up to Seattle or we're going into California. Things get a little hectic, and and uh, and the rules on rigs and everything else gets a little crazy when you have to drive into California. So I didn't want to have to impose any of that on anybody. So, so the NHRA, um, you know, again, we all sat down and, and, um, I said, here's the perfect list. I think as close as we can get it. And obviously there's going to be people. We're sorry. We're not in your town. There's, there's definitely tracks that I, I put on the list, but, um, we are constantly concerned about weather. You know, we, we look at a couple of places, uh, our home of Houston, it would be a great track to be at. Um, uh, the, the, uh, Houston Raceway Park, presented by Pennzoil. You know, the, the South Angel has an amazing track here, amazing facility, uh, one run by um, one of our graduates, Austin. And uh, and the big problem is it's a risk with the weather. Uh, I race that race every year, and I think in the last, like, four years, I can remember one weekend that there wasn't a drop, and, and that's not very good, you know, uh, for anybody. And... and um, and so we don't want any rigs getting stuck. We want anything like that, not just at Houston, but a couple other tracks that the NHRA is worried about. So we're, um, I think we, like you said, we, we got it as close to perfect as we could. There you go. You mentioned uh, Austin Hayward, great kid, Sam uh, graduate. And yes, he goes from going to Sam Tech to now he is like the director of competition at Houston Raceway presented by Pennzoil, which, by the way, they're getting pro stock back next year, which is uh, exciting for that part of the country. But, hey, let me ask you, uh, since I, I should have, this is should have been the first thing that I mentioned, but uh, how did you guys hold up in the weather down there? Kind of unexpected Good. rain. Good. Everything... Um... Are the street out in front of the school flooded pretty quickly? Um, there are a couple of students who um, their places got did take on some water, but the majority of in some vehicles that took on water. But the school itself is fine. Everybody's safe. Everybody's alive. Um, there's going to be some repairs, but but for the most part, everything is good. Everything is good. Um, I think it was like 48 inches, and the rain hasn't really stopped. It's rained every day. Um, and kind of continues to. So there's definitely some areas um, to the east of us that, that got a little bit more and, and have more damage. And so 
Um, our thoughts are obviously with them and anything they need. We're, you know, we're here formed and, and the students, uh, we're helping push cars out of traffic that had stalled out um, in, in some of this water out in front of the school because it is built up from the road. So um, helping out however we can. There you have it. Well, I, I would expect nothing less uh, you know, from the graduates that we have run into along the way. Brian, great job as usual. Super excited. Also a little bittersweet. And I know that a season is coming to a close. Two races remaining. Uh, Drew Skillman in the driver's seat. Bo Butner, they're going to try to make a move. Like, they're going to try to get next to Drew in the early rounds as best as is possible. That's their hope, right? You can't really expect someone to do your job for you. You've got to do it yourself. That's probably what they're going to do. We've seen it in the past, and then you got to handle business. To me, that's what makes it exciting, and I'm fired up to see it. I am, too. This, this is going to be an exciting weekend. St. Louis is always um, – there's always something that happens at this track. Um good, bad, or exciting, um, we'll, we'll, uh, we'll definitely recap it when we get done next week. There you have it. Brian, thank you so much. Have a good one, Joe. Thank you, Brian. Brian Massengill with us here on Factory Stock Podcast. Spotify, Apple Podcasts, rate, review, all that stuff, and uh, share it. You've got friends that love Factory Stock Showdown, and they don't know that they can hear all the stars of the sport, or a lot of the stars of the sport. And on this show, you know, Chris Vang and others, uh, I really want to make sure, especially like this week's show, right, Drew Skillman, Bo Butner. You guys have heard from Drew and Bo a lot. You know what's up. It's a championship battle. And in that case, I wanted to speak with Chris Vang and find out from somebody who is like just under the surface, living their dream, enjoying what they've got. And of course, Mark Powick superstar got a shot to win in a dodge that's going to be interesting like who can get the race wins people i'm watching i'm watching archie Cohn. i'm watching stephen bell i'm watching mark powick i'm watching leah pritchett of course the fords are gonna you know they thunder down the racetrack but you got a couple of chances barton david barton wants to get in the mix it's been a while wants to get in the mix with just two races remaining and yes worldwide technology raceway at gateway Always has great reasons. I'll be out there. I'll be in the pits. If you hear Factory Stock Podcast, say what's up out there in the pits. And, of course, I encourage you to check out our other show, WFO Radio. This is big thanks to samtech.edu. Start your education at full speed. All you kids out there, you heard Chris Vang. He worked in an engine shop. He was already there and instead went and got the appropriate education and realized, oh, man, there's a whole bunch I don't know. Think about that. Think about that. All right, everybody, we'll see you at the races, the penultimate race of the Samtech Factory Stock Showdown season. Thank you, everybody. Start your education at full speed with the School of Automotive Machinists and Technology. Accelerate your career as a high-performance engine builder with classroom instruction and practical hands-on experience in the lab, on the dyno, and at the track. In addition to the block, head, and CNC programs, Sam now offers motorsport, EFI tuning, and an Associates of Applied Science degree. And Sam is a military-friendly school, approved to train veterans and other eligible persons under the GI Bill. Start your education at full speed. Go to samtech.edu today.